you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jane Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. Uh, it's a Friday edition. We call this the Gumbo Show, which means everything goes into the pot within yes. reason. Within reason. Yeah. Yes. So if we've covered it this week or you think we might be familiar with it, you can ask us about it. <laughs> yes. If in the event we're not familiar with it. We do um, an amazing public relations thing where we just tell you, hey, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, it's the, tr- it's the it's truth. It's the truth. You know? It is. It's refreshing because it's not done often. Um, right. People just try to pivot to something that they are familiar with, which I guess requires a certain level of skill that is to be appreciated. I prefer saying, hey, I haven't heard about that. Tell me about that. Right. And if I feel that I can respond to that in real time with sufficient information that you've provided, then I will. If I need to look into it a little bit more, then I'll tell you that. That's, that's just the truth. I mean, it's it's easier that way, well, right? It's, like it's, it's, it's honest that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Very good. Very well said. Um, so it's the Friday show. We usually do a little bit of a lighter show, but I, I do, um, do want to recap some of the shows from this week to kind of get this on your mind mm-hmm. uh, just to help fuel the conversation. And then in the second segment – I want to address an email that I read um, earlier this afternoon. And when I when I read the email, I thought, oh, no, that's not at all what I was suggesting. Right. And I thought, OK, so let me go back and let me listen to the context of the conversation from yesterday and then let me see if I can hear what this brother is um, is concerned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, look, brothers and sisters in, in, in the faith uh, matter to me. And so mm-hmm. when our brothers and sisters write in and they're confused about something that we've said, especially especially when it's not what I believed I was saying at the time that I was saying, you know, like yeah. that's that's important. So um, but I but I understand that it doesn't matter what I sometimes it doesn't matter so much because it does matter what I intended to say. But what matters is what I actually say. And so if there's confusion or a point of clarification, then we want to do that. So we'll do that in the second segment. But first, let me just recap. I'm looking at this week's shows. Mm -hmm. And on Monday, uh, we talked about Jeremiah's Jeremiah or Jerry ads. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Jeremiah's the lament, bringing back the lament um, in our discourse uh, certainly, I would say uh, we could use a heavy dose of it in our preaching today. Mm. Um, so much is so soft. And even as I, you know, the word fear has uh, kind of come to stand out to me a little bit more as I'm reading in Scripture. Um, the number of times that you read, you know, fear God and and how this was not controversial. But it seems because we live in a very soft culture mm-hmm. that even fearing God is controversial. And we found new ways to define that. Now, I'm right. all about being um, solid. Right. So I'm not saying that we don't 
do our diligent work to to define terms and to understand them. But right. you know, sometimes fear is just fear. Yeah, sometimes. And and the thing is, you brought up um, <laughs> the sermon by uh, John. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Which you know. <laughs> Look, that type of preaching, I know it would get a bad rap and we say like, man, it's so, oh man, it's just so scary or condemning. Mm-hmm. I see that's convicting. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think it's, it, it, look, it's the truth. It's, it's not watered down. It's straight from scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are times where that hard preaching needs to happen. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Today. I mean, it's 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 ready for today. Though that, that shouldn't change. The truth of God's word being laid out, you know, not... Taking into account, you know, I'm going to hurt somebody's feeling. No, baby, because yeah. you're understanding that, man, the the outcome is hell. How how do yeah? you get to a place in your? I'm just curious about this yeah. from your perspective. Like, how do you get to a place in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord, um, where you understand, like you you have a right fear of God, you understand His judgment, yeah. you you understand His justice, and it does not diminish your love for the father like how, how do you get to a place where you're not conflicted like I, I mean because i think some of people's like outcry might be well you know the god that you guys are talking about mm, would be so yeah. difficult to love like yeah I, well i don't think they understand or you would you wouldn't have a good understanding of who god is his yeah, attributes yeah who, that the all of that is god that's like, who he is you know he's loving yes you know, he's patient. He's just. Mm-hmm. He's just. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, uh, he gets angry. Like, there's, there's wrath, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think when you understand the totality of God and, and you don't box him into, the, like, what he, you think he should be, yeah, you can see those different uh, attributes and say, amen. Amen. So when, when you can't see that, then that's when you have the difficulty and you're like, oh, he, you know, the, the guy you're preaching about is, is so hard and so, you know, but... When you look at it, and then you realize the sinners that we we were, yes, you know, yes, man, it's like this is what we deserve. Yeah, you know? I, I I don't think. Well, and and I'll be careful here. Correct me. Push back on on this if I say this, um, you know, without the sufficient amount of eloquence that it requires. I don't think you can uh, genuinely love God if you are unacquainted with his wrath and his his justice. And what I mean by that is yes. if you don't encounter this in scripture, if you don't see this then yes. you you don't you don't love the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. Yeah, because there's a, a lack of understanding there. That's so who the God that you say you, that you love is mm-hmm. not the God of the Bible who you think, you know, you are yeah. showing love to. And so yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and look, it's not that uh, it's easy in our human understanding to, under, to to understand just the different attributes of God and be and, and, and are like, oh man, yeah, of course, those things are hard. Like mm-hmm. you know, but the truth is the truth, and you get to a point where it's like, man, this is God. God yeah. has these yeah. different attributes at play, and so we have to just embrace that and accept it, you and, know, and know that this is God. Knowing God, meeting the God of Scripture, and 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 how great is our God? He wants us to know Him. Like He He wants to be known by us. This mm-hmm. is uh, this is so precious to me. It is so dear to me. But I will just say that meeting the God of the Bible causes me to, to love him in a way that I think if I just, 
if I just am acquainted with the God that's presented in popular culture, mm-hmm. well, I love I love that God. Yeah, that's great. Like, I mean, you know, it's he's like like a Santa Claus, right? And so, like, what's not to love? But <laughs> but I think when you consider that the wrath of God, that God allows us to be acquainted with this wrath as he reveals himself, he discloses mm-hmm, himself. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this throughout scripture. God is saying, this is who I am. And then God shows us what what sin requires, that the wages That's for sin. sin is death, right? Yeah. Like the, this right. is what you earn, okay, right. for your sin. It it Your payment is death. And then to understand that that same God who says, those are your wages, says, I am going to allow someone else to pay that penalty for you. Mm. You have earned this. Someone who has not earned this will pay this for you. Right. Now, how how can I best appreciate that if I don't know what I'm spared from? Right. How can I how can I appreciate that mercy and that love? Like how I just don't know that I can appreciate that the way I should appreciate that if I'm not acquainted with you. God's Justice. Yeah, I don't think you could, and that's it. Reminds me back of, of, of that sermon that we talked about. The you know Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, he laid it out like that. It was clear what was uh, it was clear the destination of the sinner. Yes, yes. You know, it was clear, and how easy it was for the sinner to get to that destination. Man, you know how yep. fragile we are. Yeah, you know, and I think that type of preaching, although people wanted to label it, label it. Uh, uh, fire and brimstone preaching, mm-hmm. man, it's the truth. And yeah. I think when I was reading it, I'm like, man, there was there was a couple of times, you know, I I felt like tears coming. I was like, come man, on. look, come on, this right. is the reality. Mm-hmm. And I think the the biggest thing for me is that this is the reality. And how many uh, 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 moments did I miss in presenting, you know, to people, you know, this reality? Yeah. And I think about that, like, man, yeah. you know, and so. I think you can't truly love and understand, you know, what you have received unless you understand, like, the depths of the sin and where you were heading, you know, and where you were headed and, and, and how severe this 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 is, you know. Yeah. And I, I think he did a great job and others, I'm sure, you know, through the Jeremiah's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> of preaching just a straight up uh, uh Word of God and 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 calling on people to do an examination of themselves yeah, and say, yeah. where are you? Yeah, this is an incredible you know? grace and incredible mercy oh. um, to know God. Yeah, and to know what He has secured for us. Like I, I think anything that anyone would present that is other than what God has revealed of Himself, not only and this is to say it lightly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, of course, do a disservice to God, you know, because you're not presenting the God of Scripture. But, man, you do a disservice to the person that you're presenting this manufactured God to as well because you rob them of an opportunity to mm. truly know who God is. Yeah. You rob them of an opportunity to really make an informed decision. Yeah. Like there are so many people in, in, who yeah, have— Informed decision. They've, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They've, yeah. they've made a decision to reject the gospel because they have been presented with something that seems wow. like an option. Like and it's like, okay, egregious. well, do I want the upgrade or yeah. do I not want the upgrade? Wow. Do I want—you know, and I, I think— when you present that as an option to people or you present that as a type of gospel to people, right. you do them an incredible disservice. And I don't think that we need to scare people into um, fake decisions. That's right. Right. So I think what you need to do is just present 
the scriptures, like present the, the word of God, yeah. present the truth and, right. and, and let the word do its work. Let the Holy Spirit yes. do his work in drawing people uh, to the father. And, and I, I think, you know, in reading the sermon and, and thinking it over, and certainly you can see why I wondered, is it time for us to get back to this? Well, it would be hard I'll for people yes. to sit under hearing that and remain the same. And I would say yes, because of just thinking about where we are, I think. That need that needs to be heard, like in that way, like you know, with no fluff and no, you know, uh, tassels <laughs> at the end of it. That's you know, funny. like no, yeah. this is this is it. Yeah. And so, and 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 allow people to come face to face with that reality. So on Wednesday, you were talking about the evil times that we live in and how these times really demand a robust church. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. These times that we're living in, it's it require that we have a robust witness. From the church, uh, it's sad that we would have uh, evil times like this in a weak church. Yeah, that, that can't happen. We can't. Yeah. That can't happen. And so, it's just an encouragement that, uh, in, even in our local fellowships, man, that true koinonia fellowship would happen. Mm-hmm. You know that we would know one another because the as the pressure increase, you know, we're going to have to know those who we are laboring. And among. how do you how do you define? Um, a weak church, as you observe it, what 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 is what you would consider yeah. an anemic church? Well, first of all, just what we were talking about, one that is not positioned to preach or don't want to preach the the word of God, yeah. Yeah. you know, in its clarity, but also uh, just the, the the church where it's like uh, so detached, like I don't have to know anyone there, mm-hmm. and I, you know, but I I I have appeased my conscience because mm-hmm. I went to church, you know, yeah, but. And I'll be back on Wednesday or back on when, when, whenever. Yeah, but midweek. I don't have any real relationship. There's yeah. no discipleship happening in, in that way. There's no iron sharpening iron. There's no one I can think about that I, when I get into a tough situation, I can go to and, and say, man, let's pray. This is what's going on. Like, we have to have those real fellowships. That's what they had, you know, in the, the first century church. And I'm not saying it's not happening anywhere. Sure. But, man, it was such a big part of the entering into persecution that they needed that home base they needed that fellowship that they're able to go back to and get strength yeah there's been a complete reversal it seems like in the modern context of of what we define as how we how we church if you will if you want to Mm -hmm. use it as a verb but i think in the early church to have what we have now would have been like what like what do you mean we're we don't know each other what do you mean we we're not spending time together we're not breaking bread but to talk about that today actually requires a huge paradigm shift like there are a lot of people who would hear that and would be like oh that's weird we just kind of go home afterwards you know so anyway Mm -hmm. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio it's the Friday edition we'll take a break and we'll be right back That's so true. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. It's the Friday edition. We do a little bit of a lighter show, but also a recap. And so sometimes the recap 
we'll add a little a little bit of weight to the show. Sorry. So, so <laughs> today may be, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe one of those days, um, because I was I read this email earlier this afternoon, and um, I have to admit I was like, oh man, that's not at all what I was um, suggesting or even trying to like you know hint at. Like far from it, right? right so I get right. this email from. Oh, did I say I'm Miki? Hey, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was Oxygen by Zanti. 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 Um, so so I got this email from our brother Josh, and he said in his email, I was very disheartened today. He's talking about yesterday's show. He said, I was very disheartened today to hear you suggest that it was okay to break the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is just as important as the other nine. He said, I understand that we are not saved by keeping his holy law, but if we love him, we will keep them in his service, Joshua. He is absolutely right. Like, absolutely 100%. I agree with what you have written here. Um, The thing that I would disagree with is that I suggested breaking the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Um, That's not at all, not even close to what I was suggesting. And I tried to be very careful to make sure that specifically what I was pointing out was a lot of the dietary laws and those laws that would have identified mm-hmm. a person as Jewish, right? That right. these are a part of our cultural customs. These are not God's moral, legal, and binding laws that are legal and binding on every person all around the world. And in and, fact, these yeah. are the things that the Lord has written on the tablets of our hearts. That's right. And even as you alluded to, in uh, Galatians, it was written because of circumcision. And it yes. was like they were trying to bring them back under this thing that that God was more concerned about their hearts. Yes, you absolutely. Know? That's what made them true Jews, if you will. So I, I think it's important. And I and this is not to, when I say this, this is not to suggest that our brother didn't hear the context of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for my own sake, I think it's important for us to hear the context of the conversation. Yeah so that my response might be better understood. But then I do want to have a conversation about the Sabbath. And I want want to carefully have that conversation (laughs) because I do not want to upset people, but I want to say we've got to read God's word. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is, I understand that it would be easier for us to just have the rules that we keep. Mm-hmm. And and again, when I say this, I'm not suggesting that Josh feels this way. Right. I'm, let me put a period at the end of my statement to Josh. Now, here's my commentary. Okay, reset. It is so important for us to read God's word. I understand that it would be in some in some ways um, more freeing for us to have the rules because then we don't have to think so much about loving the Lord God with all that we are, right? Mm. You don't, if you just, if you, if just, you have, don't do this, don't just, do that, just yeah. then you're kind of like you're a great programmed robot. But if you read the New Testament scriptures, you see that the Ten Commandments are repeated throughout the New Testament scriptures with the exception of commandment number four, the Sabbath. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. There is a reason for that. Because in the Old Testament, it was, it was Augustine who said, uh, and I don't want to butcher this, it was Augustine who said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand that there are shadows and types that are in the Old Testament that do not make sense 
in the Old Testament the way they make sense in the New Testament, right? So there are things that we come to understand in light of the cross and in light of the revelation of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. right? So the Sabbath day is one of those things. And I am going to be very careful, but I am not going to fear man in reading God's word. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is we, it's okay if your tradition is, this is what I, I keep the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I, I do not do any work on the Sabbath. Look, we Nothing rest. We yeah. rest. We take a day of rest as a family. Yeah. There is nothing against that. But to make that something that you say, you must do this or you are breaking God's law, then you have missed the historical implication of what the Sabbath actually is. And I understand that this is difficult, but I am going to fall on God's revealed word as revealed through the Apostle Paul dealing specifically with the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fall on God's revealed word as revealed through the Hebrew writer, which, by the way, the book of Hebrews is an incredible book of showing the shadows and the types. Yeah. Like if if, if <laughs> yeah. read the book of Hebrews slowly, I read no, it twice and so, oh, man, <laughs> it's so much. In and, there. and the temple and yeah. coming through when the when the Great curtain is torn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Guys, if you want to get a picture of the Old yeah. Testament shadows and types and have a new um a profound love for all of the imagery, like the the dimensions and mm-hmm. all of the things of the Old Testament and and how the priests were to operate, read Hebrews yeah. and then go back and read some of the things that you fell asleep on <laughs> in the Old Testament. You will be awakened because yeah. you'll go, oh, how great is our God. So it's freeing for us to read God's word. It is, it is not a license for us to say, oh, now we do what we want. That's not at all what I'm trying to imply. But if we if we make the Sabbath the thing, we have missed what God has shown us in this invitation to come and enter into his rest. Mm. Okay? This is, a, this is a foreshadow of what God offers to those who will come to him yeah. through Jesus Christ. You are going to enter into his rest. This is what the Sabbath foreshadows. God doesn't stop working on one day because he's just like worn out. Right, right. He is sanctifying a day and in the Old Testament, even though it is presented as a lowercase d, it foreshadows a day, capital D, where we will enter into his rest. Mm. And guys, it is a beautiful thing. It's a freeing thing that we need to. Anyway, okay, so I've said enough about that. That's good. This is the question that, or the comment that came in, and I think this context is so important. Yes. This is the comment that came in from our sister Jill, who was listening to us in Missouri. And 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 my excuse me, my response to her was based on the context of this conversation. I want to say that uh, chapters twenty five and twenty six in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord says He will send a sword throughout the earth for not keeping His law. You were speaking earlier about the early church. The early church did keep his law, and this is why they were persecuted for it, especially during the time of the Spanish Inquisition. When the Romans came to ancient Spain, they told the practicing early Christians, if you continue to keep the seventh-day Sabbath, the Feast of the Lord, and the dietary rules, and circumcision of your baby boys, we will kill you. So, yes. This is true. And Christians, for the last almost 2,000 years, 
have been in rebellion to one of the primary of the Ten Commandments, where God says, six days shall you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day you shall keep holy, set apart unto me. It is my Sabbath day. And we need to stop eating pork and all the things against the dietary rules. So this is part of God's law, and traditional Christianity needs to come out of these ways that really the Catholic Church has led them into doing. We mm. need to start practicing God's law. Okay. So in the context of that conversation, and I, I, I want, like, the scholars to, like, lean in with me on this. You can understand the context of that conversation. This is not about submitting to God's commandments. This is, this is about keeping the law almost, it, to me, it comes right up to the line that it appears as sort of a, a justification for oneself. That this is, I am, I am right because I keep these laws. So my strong caution in that yeah. is that to understand that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of the law and the commands. Like That's Jesus right. Christ has perfectly fulfilled all of the requirements. Therefore, therefore, he is sufficient to die in our stead. Perfectly sufficient to die in our stead. Holy and perfect, fulfilling the law. Now, when I say the, um, the ceremonial laws, and I'm going to use it as an example, circumcision. This was a huge problem in the early church. And, and let me go back and, and make another point here, um, because I was unfamiliar with our sister's uh, church history account of the early church, the Spanish Inquisition, and them being persecuted because they kept the law. What I am familiar with from my reading of church history is that it was once the Christians actually became distinct from the Jews that they suffered persecution, because as the the sect of Christianity was growing, it actually um, uh, benefited from a cover within the Jewish community because yeah. it was seen as like, okay, they're just, they're Jews, right? right. Like they're just we Jews. We to deal with them. They're, exactly. They're Jews. Yeah. But as they started to distinguish themselves mm -hmm. as uh, different, then that is when the persecution began to heat up for the Christians. So I, I don't think it's because they were keeping the law that they were persecuted. In fact, I, I think the Apostle Paul said, you know, if if I'm keeping the law, why am I still why am I being judged? Like, why am I suffering the way that I'm suffering? It, the point that he was making yeah. is that I am now in Christ. So I'm not keeping the law as a way as a means to justify myself. I was going to say and it's amazing that the persecution began to heat up even amongst the Jews, you know, as far as uh, what you see, you see in the book of Acts because they were dis distinct. And then you had like the religious leaders, the Sadducees and yes. everybody you know, um, persecuting them. And then Rome as well yes. began to, because they were different from the Jews. They That's were distinct right. because of Christ. That's exactly right. So in, in several places in the New Testament, the, the commandments, the, what, we, what we call the Decalogue, are repeated with the exception of the fourth commandment. And, it, and it's interesting because this Sabbath commandment actually enjoys um, a great distinction, almost sort of like a, it's a different type of commandment, mm -hmm. right? Set apart from the other of the, the Ten Commandments. And why is that? Because Jesus Christ is for us the Sabbath day of rest. 
It is entering into that Sabbath day of rest is only made possible by the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that some people hearing this, they're thinking that I'm trying to take their Sunday away. (laughs) That is not at all what I'm doing. Please rest. The Sabbath is made for us to rest. But to see this as if I do any work on the Sabbath, which, by the way, is one of the reasons that the religious leaders despise Jesus. I mean, in in Luke chapter 13, we were talking about this Mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 13 There is a woman who is doubled over because she has been afflicted by a spirit for 18 years, Mm. 18 years. And Jesus heals her on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders are like, look, if you want to get healed, you can come six of the other days. okay? but don't come on the Sabbath and expect to be healed. And Jesus is like, this is Miki's translation. okay?" (laughs) in modern vernacular, what don't you untie your donkeys and let them get water on the Sabbath? And here is this daughter of Abraham, and you're saying that she who has been afflicted by a demon for 18 years, that she should not be healed? So my question is, so would we be, those of us, would we be guilty of charging Jesus with breaking the Sabbath? Mm. Why is he working on the Sabbath? What is Jesus showing about the Sabbath? Why does Jesus say that the Sabbath is made for man? This is God's gift to us, right? That you've got these six days that you're going to labor which, by the way, this is, this is a foreshadowing because what are the Jews acquainted with also in the keeping of the law? They're acquainted with this work that justifies them. They're, mm. they're, come on, guys, this labor that they do that justifies them. They are acquainted with this work. And then they get this one day where they rest. What is God setting up for us, right? All of your human efforts, all of your human striving, will come to an end. There is an eternal day of rest where Mm. Jesus Christ himself will secure that for you. So do your best, the Bible says, to enter into that rest. (laughs) It is not just one day, little or lowercase d. It is the day, capital D. It is secure for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, in several places here, in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 13, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Verse 16, therefore. No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These things, which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Mm. I am not at all 100%, please hear me very well, advocating that God's righteous commands should be broken. But I am absolutely pressing the believer to understand God's word and to understand what God has secured for us, that in Jesus Christ is our Sabbath day of rest. Now, I think it's great that Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are closed yes. on Sunday. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But to say that if we do any work on a Sunday that we are breaking God's law, mm. I think can be in some ways dangerous. 
And we have to be very careful that we understand what this foreshadowed for us. Amen. A little bit more on this on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. Stay right there. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change, you remain the same. Immutable, beautiful. You never change, never change. Forever you reign, you remain the same. You will never change, you will never change. Immutable, beautiful. You never change, never Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. It's the Friday edition um, of Aaron the Addison's The Gumbo Show. I know I'm talking a lot. I usually like to open the phone lines up, but I just, it's so important to me to be understood. And it's important to me that the body of Christ be called back to the, to the scriptures, back to God's word. And look, and, and I believe that even in this conversation that our brother uh, Josh, who wrote into us uh, via email, that that's exactly what he's doing. I don't perceive this to be a, oh, I'm just, you right. know, I'm mad at you. No, this right. this is a right. great discourse. I, I enjoy this very much. But my, my, my passion here is that, one, I want to be understood. I would not at all ever imply the breaking of God's righteous laws, his moral law. Do you understand what I'm saying? And why am I saying his moral law? Like people, why do you give that distinction? Well, because I think it's okay you can eat shrimp. Do you understand? <laughs> and, and, and why is it important for us to speak with great clarity on this issue? Mm-hmm. Because the enemies of the cross have used this distinction to say, oh, so you're against homosexuality? Well, do you eat shrimp? Right. And so people <laughs> who don't understand yeah. the difference in those, those laws, right, to understand the cultural laws and mm-hmm. to understand the dietary restrictions— for those people at that time are often left going, but, 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 but. okay, so, but we need to be able to make a distinction and to say God's moral law is legal and binding, and it's written on the tablets of our heart. And guess what? Man all around the world knows it. It's almost an instinct to him, right? This is Romans 1. Yeah. God has made it known to him. God's righteous judgment against man is not a surprise to him. It is restated in the New Testament, all of the commandments. But the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, has a different distinction. It is indeed a day of rest that we are invited to enter into, and we only have this access because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, if your conscience says, and I know this makes people crazy because this is like Romans 14, Right. Romans 14, like, okay, so one person thinks of this day as sacred and another person thinks of this day. Okay, fine. Then bear with the one who's weak. And and we don't like that because we want just the rules. Yeah, we want the (laughs) rules. I don't like Romans 14. I don't want them to have freedom. I want the rules. (laughs) But what's the point that I'm the point that I'm making is if you don't work on Sunday and you say you're taking a Sabbath, praise God. Mm -hmm. But if you work on Sunday and you say I'm taking a Sabbath on Monday or I'm having these few hours of rest where I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, people call it downtiming, whatever, then praise God. Like this is okay. And this is pleasing to God. The Sabbath was made for us. Mm -hmm. It was made that we might have a day of rest. So look at this. And this is, and let me open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. 
1-800-340-8840. You can call in, chime in on this Friday. Um, in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, uh, and I feel like I feel like I, I'm looking at chapter four, and I feel like it requires so much context here because um, the Hebrew writer is talking about Jesus Christ as our high priest, and he's talking about um, the sufficiency of Jesus's sacrifice and um, kind of this juxtaposition between Jesus and Moses. And then he goes into writing about the unbelief of the Hebrews and how the Lord. He said, you're not going to be able to enter into my rest because they were disobedient, because mm-hmm. they were stiff-necked, right? right? Right. And so then, again, if you, you and that's in chapter 3, but if you follow this, this, um, this train of thought here, where you ultimately arrive is understanding that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath day of rest. And, and I understand that that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to, I'm going to start reading... At verse 6, this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. This is talking about God's rest. When it says enter it, it is God's rest. Okay. He again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Okay, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm-hmm. For the one who has entered his rest, <clears throat> excuse me, has himself, <clears throat> my goodness, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. All right, verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest, has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. What is the point here? The point is, in Jesus Christ, we have come into this day of rest, this rest from all of the work. And what did the work signify in the Old Testament? It was the striving toward pleasing God. Mm -hmm. It was the attempt to be justified. This is why the Apostle Paul says so many times that by works of the law, no flesh is going to be justified because it was the belief that I am made right by By what what I I do. do. That's right. And so now it is in Jesus Christ that you have rest from all of that labor. It is in Jesus Christ that you have (laughs) peace, that you're no longer performing and trying to gain God's approval. Hey, look at what I've done. Look at how many things. No, now Mm. in Jesus Christ. And guys, this this should delight our souls. Yeah, that we are definitely. not trying to earn our way into and, God's good grace. And it's amazing because Jesus even said when he was talking about the different uh, laws and stuff like that, how you heard it said this and that, but I say yes, it, it, these things were unattainable, really, like in our humanity, you know. And so that Jesus has fulfilled the law, it, does, it doesn't throw the law out of the no, window and say we don't. Not. We're not saying that at all. But man, you know, this, it, this does not save us, you know, uh, uh, Christ has done the work, and it's been fulfilled. Amen, amen. And I, and I will say this, and then we'll go to the phone lines. Um, I'm grateful for what God teaches us about his holiness, mm-hmm. his otherness that he has completely set apart, and how he takes a group of people, these a people that did not exist, and he makes them a group, he makes them a people, and he sets them apart. He sanctifies these people, he sets yeah. them apart, and he gives them some distinctive characteristics, right? Some distinctive rituals. That's right. That everywhere they go, 
they remain distinct. Now, guys, this actually foreshadows what it is to be in the body of Christ. That's Everywhere right. we go, there's some distinct characteristics. Those are things that separ- separate us from the That's world. Right. That's right. We now look like the called out ones. That's right. So, look, if people are, you know, well, I don't eat, I don't eat pork. That's right. And, and I don't eat shrimp. Nothing okay, wrong with that. But you have got to be able to give a solid apologetic for why, yes, homosexuality is condemned in the Old Testament, but it is also condemned in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And then you got to be able to explain why if you eat shrimp, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is, we have failed in this conversation because people throw that out. I was watching, and we'll go to the phone lines. I was watching Kurt Franklin. Mm-hmm. Do an interview on a secular, secular radio broadcast, okay? Yeah. First of all, you're, you've gone in with the lions, okay? Right, right. And And he's asked the question about homosexuality, and, and Kurt Franklin is so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, just, just, just tell the truth. Right. Just tell the truth. That's what the word says. You know? And so, so he does all of this, like, and he's right, all right, going right. all around it, and then finally gets to a place where it's like, okay, but you know, because you know the Bible, and 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 then so he's, so then the the interviewer, the host, is like, so, but what about shrimp? <laughs> what about shrimp? And Kurt Franklin is like, well, well, uh, uh, see, so, um, and I'm I'm going, oh Lord, help him, help him, help him, oh, man. Guys, we we have been invited into these conversations, and often we cannot give a robust Man. defense for the reason for the hope that we have that makes us distinct in the world. Yeah, you're right, and that's a shame. You're right. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go? All right. Let's go to Joe in Cal- California. Hi, Joe. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, it's actually fitting that you're talking about that on today's program because that's kind of what I'm calling in about. On uh, on last week's program, you were talking with Jameson Taylor about same-sex marriage, and I was noticing some real inconsistency in what you were saying. Okay. One example would be you were talking about uh, same-sex couples can't reproduce, and if you're saying that that's a reason— or part of the reason why same-sex marriage should be illegal, then would you be consistent in that uh, standard? You mean towards heterosexuals that can't reproduce? Exactly. Well, first of all, I don't think that the government has any business in trying to sanction what is or what isn't marriage or trying to define what is or what isn't marriage. But I think we have to ask a question what is marriage? And, oh, my goodness, our brother Abe has been having an amazing series amazing. of shows talking yes. about this. So I'm just going to draw from that, and hopefully this, this will make clear what I'm, the distinction that I'm trying to make. Is marriage, in principle, understood to be a unit through which children are able to come? Is that, is that what we have historically understood about marriage? Are you, are you asking me? I am. I am. I'm asking, is that what we have understood historically about marriage? That it is... I would say that's part of it. I okay. Would, I would say that's part of it, but that's not necessarily... Uh, that's not a necessary part of it because people... I mean, throughout history, people have gotten married for political reasons or reasons of, uh, you know, ownership. And, and those... Okay. And and those people who did that, were they male and female with the capacity, if they chose, to reproduce? 
they were male and female, but that I don't know if all of them were <clears throat> able to produce children. Okay, right. And so so maybe maybe some of them weren't able to reproduce children. I'm not saying that the ability to produce to reproduce children is what makes it a marriage. I'm saying that it is a marriage when it is between a male and a female who for all principled reasons, right? And in principle what marriage is is it is a unit between two people who have the understood function of being able to procreate. Now, not only is this culturally understood until yesterday, <laughs> all right, like everybody in the world understood this until yesterday, Joe. I just want to be, you know, kind of clear on that. Not only is it understood culturally, but it is also expressed biblically. And so I will just tell you, and and I'm I'm not sure if you are a Christian or not, but I will tell you as a Christian, the way that I define what marriage is comes from scripture. So I don't, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but you said I was consistent in many ways. So I, I want to give you some time to kind of push me on that. Go ahead. Uh, well, an, another example would be Jameson Taylor was talking about interracial marriage, and he said it's protected because of the 14th Amendment and the Supreme Court decision. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, just like same-sex marriage is protected <laughs> because of the 14th Amendment. Like, let me let me ask you a question. If you believe interracial couples have equal protection under the law because of the, it, like it states in the 14th Amendment, don't you think that also applies to same-sex couples? No, because I think that inter-ethnic couples, inter-ethnic couples, okay, still, if, if we're talking about the same thing, are male and female couples, that they have all of the building blocks to distinguish them as what God designed as marriage a male and a female with the capacity. Okay. Yeah. Now there's brokenness in the world, right. but they have the capacity to procreate. And that's My a question, defining feature. That's a defining it's a feature. Defining I mean, feature. It, it is throughout all time. Yes. That they're able to reproduce. So here is my question. If marriage is no longer male and female, if marriage is no longer male and female, what will be the limiting characteristic of what we call marriage in America or in the world? I just want to know that from you, Joe. What is there any limiting characteristic to it, or is it just whatever we want? I would say there would be limiting. There would be limits to it. It's what, not just a, what would it be? What would be what, what would be some of the limits you'd place on it? I'm just curious. I would say some of the obvious limiting factors would be. They, the two the, the people involved would have to be consenting. They would have to be of legal age. They would have to be uh, agreeing to but, the. But why? Okay, so so could it be could 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 marriage be between three people? My personal view is yeah. Could it be between four people? Yeah, if they're all consenting adults, yeah. Okay, and so then if it's got to be age appropriate. What's why? Why would you see that as a limiting characteristic? Like, how do you determine that? Where are you going to determine that that is morally right or morally wrong? As far as age or the number yes, of people? Yes, age, age, age. Let's go to age. Because there's a reason we don't allow people below a certain age to enter legal contracts because they're not mature enough and knowledgeable enough to understand what they're getting into. Okay, so are we drawing that by design? Do we see that as self-evident in them? What do you mean? Oh, I'm running out of time. So what (laughs) I'm saying is, do you see in the children 
the inability for them to make these kinds of decisions. In other words, does their development, as you can see it, suggest to you that this should be limiting? The point that I'm making is that the design in marriage, the fittedness of male and female suggests its function and its use. Okay, we're out of time. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.